God is good. Isn't he though? Isn't God good? Praise God. Blessed be the Lord. Now you've been standing today and unusually longer than you've been sitting, so otherwise I'd have you stand up and stretch, you know, but we flipped it around today. Take your Bibles, please, and open them to the book of uh, Revelation, chapter 22. And I want to minister from my heart by the power of the Holy Ghost to you this morning from the Word of God. Glory be to God. Oh, glory be to God. And I really believe with all of my heart the Word of God going forth unabated by any force will not return void. It's going to find a lodging place, a resting place in your heart. Follow that divine yes. Glory to God. Because the Word will become flesh and dwell among us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 22. And I want you to begin reading with me in verse 1, if you would. And while you're finding it, I'm going to release my faith one more time. Father, I want to thank you that today you will anoint this clay vessel one more time. That by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would think through my mind, speak through my lips. It would be all of you and none of me. And that I might operate fully in the endowment and the endowment of the graces you granted me to stand within this office delegated to me of the only ministry that exists, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to exalt yourself, especially glorify your Son in our midst. And I'm not praying this, Father, so that you'll hear me. Like Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, he said, you hear me always. I know you've heard me. That gracious anointing is in the room. But I'm praying this for the people's sake, that they may know you've heard me, and that they may treat this as the word of the Lord and not as the word of a man. And I thank you for it, and I expect the supernatural results that always come, for your word will have confirmation with signs that follow it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, many of you know uh, some of these natural things, and so I'm not going to go deep into them, except that we're always having folks watch from all over the world and visitors, and, you know, so many wonderful, explosive things are happening in the ministry all around the world. We're so thrilled about that. And you heard a lot about all the ministry gifts that are coming just a week from now up on the hill. So, glory to God. For those of you who may not have heard it, uh, I'm literally going to skip a rock across the top of the water, so forgive me for making it minuscule, but I want you to understand the cornerstone from which I'm going to communicate from Revelation 22. And, and that is this. You know, Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Right? I found you can't be made free by truth you don't know. And so the purpose of preaching is so that men might believe. As if they hear it, See, people perish for lack of knowledge. So if they hear it, they can have it if they'll believe it. Amen? So that's critically important to understand. That's the basis of all preaching and why he sent us to preach. So that he can show up, prove the word is not a man's, it's his, and work miracle signs and wonders and change lives. That's why we're called to preach around the world. And so we, we understand then that as, as the Word of God is communicated, I remember years ago, I heard this over and over again, and he's in heaven now, but 
Kenneth Hagin Sr. had a very dramatic visitation from the Lord uh, after he had had 12 years of pastoring, and he stepped out of that to obey God in the field ministry. And about, oh, seven to nine months in the field ministry, somewhere in there, seven months or so, in 1950, actually, in Rockwall, Texas, it rained and rained and rained and rained, and uh, the ground was soggy and mushy, and they had a tent meeting, and very few people were there. It came out that evening, so he decided to give a short Bible lesson and pray. I won't go deep into the details of it except to say that uh, he, he said he didn't, he didn't expect this any, this any more than to be the first man on the moon. He's kneeled down praying. He's in Rockwall, Texas, and that East Texas mud, so to speak, and there's an embankment on the hill, and he's praying, and he doesn't like to be disturbed when he's praying. And so, and they gathered around, you know, in what little area they had to not be in the wet while they were praying in front of the stage. And while he's praying, he heard a voice, a male voice, that sounded like it was above him. And he said, come up hither, come up to the throne of God. And he ignored it because he thought, because, you know, he, he grew up in the country and he knew how folks played tricks and all that. And he heard it from above him and he knew there was a hill right next to where they put the tent. And it's part of the problem with the wet area there. And uh, they had an old saying. Now, this is way beyond, probably before the time of anybody in the room, maybe anybody watching. He said, I thought it was just some boys up there playing Whaley. Now, I don't know what Whaley is, but I found out from him. I got interpretation, you know, just playing a joke. And he thought, and so he kept on praying. And then he heard the voice again, come up hither, come up to the throne of God. And so he, uh, he heard that a couple, three times. And finally, he said, why didn't somebody do something about that? And he looked up and the tent was gone. And Jesus was standing there where the top of the tent ought to be. And suddenly he went up in the spirit to stand with Jesus in the air. And his body fell over on the stage. Now, this is what it means to be in a trance. You fall over bodily sometimes, occasionally. And that's what happened to him. Peter had that happen on a rooftop where a vision came down from heaven and he saw a net with all kinds of animals and he fell into a trance. That's why the word fell into a trance because he fell over bodily because his spirit was in another place and he wasn't aware of his body. This is why the Apostle Paul, when he went to the third heaven, said, whether in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell, but I knew a man 14 years ago that was caught to the third heaven. So anyway, long and short of that is, he told him that when he had left the pastorate after 12 years, he had entered the first phase of his ministry. Now I'm going to let that sink in. Because Jesus told him most ministers live and die and never even get into the first phase of their assignment. Then he told him, when you left the pastorate and went on the field, you entered the first phase of your ministry, and he said, and it was seven months ago, and he said, and in the first phase of your ministry, you've been unfaithful. Oh, man. And I, he began to, he fell at Jesus' feet, and put his, he said he put his forehead on top of his hands, and his hands on, and Jesus got him up. Because he said, no one's as unworthy as I should look on your face. He said, he said, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. He said, all right, I forgive you. He said, it's just a matter of fact about it. He said, all right, I forgive you. And then he was wailing and wallowing around, and then the Lord said, stand up right on your feet. Because he said, no one is unworthy as I should look on your face. He said, I've made you worthy. Aren't you glad you're the righteous of God in Christ? Amen. And he stood him up, and he was forgiven, 
And the whole story goes on, which I won't tell all of it, but the bottom line, in that particular visitation, he took him to hell and to heaven both. And, but after that was done, Jesus took the right index finger of his right hand, put it in the palm of each one of his hands, and said, I've given you a special anointing to minister to the sick. Now, the point I'm making is this. I told all of that to tell this. Jesus said to him, tell them I appeared to you. Tell them I told you. Tell them I told you to tell them. Because if they'll believe it and receive it, it'll work. Oh, come on now, I'll try that over here. If they'll believe it and receive it, it'll work. If they don't, it won't work. And he used to always say, and we want it to work. Because he recognized it wasn't him or his anointing. This is Jesus' ministry. Now, this is why believers can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Because there's an actual anointing. Jesus carried it. Jesus, let me say this to you. Jesus is called to the healing ministry. See, a lot of people think Jesus is way up there. No, no, no. Jesus finished the earthly side of his ministry, but he's still in the ministry. He's the high priest of the church. He's our advocate, our intercessor. He's alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's here in his body right now. He is still doing and teaching. It is his ministry. The anointing, all anointing comes off the head to the body. So hear what I'm going to say to you. First, Psalm 133 says this. It says, Beloved, behold how precious and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing oil that came on Aaron on his head, went to his beard, to the skirts of his garment, and by the end of that, ver that, that whole chapter, which is only three verses, he said, there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore. You need to know the oil flows off the head. Jesus is the head of the church. There is no anointing we can minister under that didn't come from him. So that's how you, that's how you measure whether or not is the Holy Spirit really doing this thing. Because people always want to make a ministry off of, ooh, the Holy Ghost was here and people got feathers on their shoulder. Or, ooh, gold dust fell in my hair. Well, that's great, but Jesus didn't go around advertising a gold dust meeting. Amen. He didn't go around, but no, he went preaching, teaching, and healing. Right. I said preaching, teaching, and healing. That was his assignment. He would preach the kingdom, then teach the people so faith could get in them, and if they believed it, they could have the anointing that came to heal. And healing wasn't just physical. It was in every arena of their lives because healing is a manifestation of the divine flow of the Zoe life of God that brings prosperity to the whole man. So you need to know he heals finances. He heals minds and souls. He heals families and relationships. He heals broken hearts. He totally can deliver us from things that have been done to us. And of course, he heals bodies. I'm so glad he heals bodies. And by his stripes, you were healed. Lord said to me about a month ago, been in the healing ministry all these years, but the Lord said to me about a month ago, he said, start telling my people, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And he said, you tell them when the leper came to me in stage four leprosy and said, Lord, I know you can heal me if you will. Jesus instantly got down there. Now it was unclean. This guy's in stage four leprosy, full of leprosy. And he got down there in the dirt with him and said, I'm willing. Well, that settles forever his will to heal you. Because he that has seen me seen the Father. I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And he said, I am willing. Man, I was instantly healed. And the Lord said, tell the people, I'm, I'm anointed. 
I'm called. This is what I want you to get. Jesus is in the ministry. The anointing we're operating in came from him on us. We're the body. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He hath anointed me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal. There's an anointing to heal. Jesus is sent to heal, and he's still in the healing ministry. And he said, you tell them, if you be willing and obedient. See, he went to Nazareth, and he didn't say he would not do any mighty work. He said he could not. He marveled at their unbelief. So unbelief evidently activates this anointing. Which is why Jesus told Brother Hagin, tell the people I appeared to you. Tell the people I told you. Right? He said, if you don't tell it, they can't hear it. If they don't hear it, they can't believe it. And if they can't believe it, they can't have it. So he wants you to have The whole idea behind it is so you can have it. Not to say, whoo, Jesus appeared to me. Because if you've ever had a revelation from the Word of God and something you read about Jesus, He appeared to you through the Word. And if you stay at the Word, He'll keep appearing to you. No matter how that comes, He wants to make Himself known to you by revelation, not just your head. Because He is alive. Glory to God. So He told me recently, a month ago, He said, Now I want you to tell the people, if you be willing and obedient, I'll eat the good of the land. And he said, you tell them, I am willing. Amen. Lord, I know you can heal me if you will. I am willing. Because his will doesn't change and he doesn't change. He said, and this is what he told me to tell you, and I will be obedient. How many of you believe that whatever Jesus was called to do, he'll be obedient to do it? How many of you believe that when he went to the cross, this is so huge. It says that he, he took upon him the form of a servant, was found in fashion as a man. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took a, made himself of no reputation. And he humbled himself and became, Philippians 2, obedient. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name. I'm, no wonder when you say, be healed in the name, people get healed. Because that's his ministry. And he's, he's not only willing, he's obedient. Yeah. Oh, glory, to God. glory to God. I mean, there's nobody more obedient than him. So you need to know healing always comes. It may not be always received, but it always comes. Glory to God. Woo! Isn't God good? All right, now I told you that to tell you that early on, when I, was, when I grew up in church, for those of you that don't really know, sincere people... But didn't, well, you know, they had a little light, and most of them weren't walking in the light they did have. So, you know, it was really all about religious tradition and so forth. And so I got a little disillusioned because the Jesus of my church wasn't the Jesus of my body. Now, fast forward through crying out and seeking God and telling him, I wish you spoke to people today like you did in Bible days and heal people today like you did in Bible days. Uh, in my teenage years, when I knew in here I was called the ministry, but, you know, somehow, the Holy Ghost knew. I, I didn't know. I'd never heard this. You had to be called. I mean, you couldn't just decide to go in the ministry. Mm -hmm. Evidently, there's a something from heaven that comes on you. Yeah. Yeah. But I knew it in here, see. And Jesus didn't just go in the ministry. Oh, come on now. I'm, I'm working on something. 
not going to be long, but I'm working on a cornerstone to launch from, okay? Jesus didn't just go into ministry on his own. And he was sinless. You do remember when Mary said, change the water into wine, he said, my time's not yet come. Her faith pulled him into an anointing that wasn't really totally functioning on him yet. Come on now. Even Jesus humbled himself and didn't step into that, those offices of ministry until right. something came on him from God to do it uh, yeah. as a human. Right. So the Lord said to me in a visitation, son, I still speak to people today. I'm talking to you right now. I healed them down, healed them through you. And, he, and some of you know that story, so I won't elongate that. He said to me, from time to time, I'll visit you. If you're faithful. See, faithfulness is the key. Faithful man abounds with blessings. Faithfulness doesn't mean you do everything right. It means you just keep showing up and repenting and keep stepping forward. He'll do the rest. I mean, you know, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the Greek word hamartia. It means you sin. What you basically did is you got a bullseye, you shot an arrow, you hit over here, there's a gap. You missed the mark. Righteousness is the gift God gives you to bridge the gap. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, just as if I had never sinned. I'm justified, just as if I. Woo! Which means now in that name I operate boldly. Because I don't have a sin consciousness, nor a self-consciousness. See, this is a big problem with people. They hear a lot of preaching about righteousness, and a lot of preaching about grace, and a lot of preaching about faith that activates grace. And yeah, preach, 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 preach. That's who I am. What am my identification? All that. That's great, except they yap, yap, yap about I'm sin conscious, I'm the righteousness of God but they're self-conscious all the time. Now we try that over here. Okay, so you don't have, a person doesn't have a revelation of righteousness and grace until they stop being self-conscious as well as saying they're not sin-conscious. Because if you're self-conscious, you are sin-conscious because you're body-conscious. That's why you can't walk in the flesh but in the spirit. And the only way to do that just quit being about you. Amen. I want to be delivered from all traces of sin consciousness. Because it is the tether that's keeping me bound in this realm. Woo! It's time to soar. I said it's time to soar. Amen. God has big plans for you. And it's time for you to get out of your own way. It's time for you to give yourself permission to become the powerful thing. The child of God with resurrection power. The greater ones and you giant killers in there. Let him, let him loose. Yes. Yes. Glory to God. Anyway, so the point is he did visit me from time to time. And, uh, and so the reason I read Revelation 22 is because this was one of those visitations. We were in Delaware and staying in a hotel in Delaware because the states are small and a little short drive, but you're across the line. Preaching in New Jersey. Lori was with me. And uh, that morning, I'm reading Revelation 22. And when I got to verse 3, we're going to read three verses. When I got to verse 3, suddenly, it's the only way I know how to say it. Suddenly, he was there. That room filled up with the glory of God. She'll tell you. She'll testify. She was in the restroom getting ready. She was going to sing that morning. We were going to minister to the sick together. November that year. And, um, and she, she has her own version of the story about how the glory of God filled the room. And she opened the, the restroom door and it was like a wall of jello right there. He was there. 
and something was running through that room. And he said to me, I'm mandating you to preach a message called No More Curse. Mm -mm. Now my immediate response to him was, Lord, I've preached redemption from the curse for over 20 years. He said, not like this you haven't. And suddenly it came off the page and he said, you've been in the healing ministry. He started out just Mark 16, laying hands on the sick. Been in the healing ministry. You stepped into the miracle ministry, told me when that happened. And then he said, now I want to do miracles of wholeness. And what I see after all these years is I realize, just like when Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen in 1950, same exact day, on the exact day, 20 years to the day, he was in Buffalo, New York, and the Lord appeared to him again. And there's a whole story behind it. But the Lord said, you've never fully done what you should have done with the healing ministry. Is there anybody inside yourself right now would be honest that you've seen God do some wonderful things in your life? And you're grateful. But in here, you know there's some things he put on you to do and told you to do and anointed you to do. That you just didn't give yourself permission or fully step into or whatever. Who cares why? You haven't fully done with it what you should have done. I'm telling you the time of fullness has come. It's time for you to forget those things which are behind and start pressing for the call. This is the most unusual day we've ever lived in. It's the greatest opportunity the body of Christ has had probably in millennia, but certainly the last hundred years. We don't want to miss this moment. I said you don't want to miss this moment. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So I realized, even though this visitation came, and we've seen just some astounding miracles, marvelous miracles. He proved it's true. We haven't fully walked in all he told us to do with this. And uh, that coat has come and come with a vengeance in a double-up way in the last month or two. I even realized I never really fully preached it out here. And of all the times we gathered, I could have preached it, you know, I preached it out there a lot. But it just didn't stay on it till we got it. Now today, I want to read these three verses and for just a couple of minutes, only mention one aspect. And it's not even particularly and totally out of that visitation. It's something for this moment. But let's read it together. Revelation 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water. A pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal. I am believing God right now that the Lord's going to open the eyes of your understanding and you see this clear as crystal. Glory be to God. Clear as crystal, proceeding. You wonder, why am I stuck? Why am I not really going anywhere very fast? Well, you're going to get an answer right here today. There is something coming out of God and out of heaven into you, and if you'll participate with it, suddenly your life will begin to proceed supernaturally versus the struggle against the wind. It's kind of like when they were in John 6, 21. I really like it because, I mean, they were fighting that storm and fighting that wind and rowing real hard, and then Jesus walking on top of the water, he gets in the boat, and suddenly they get translated. It's time for the body of Christ to be transfigured, transformed, and translated. 
No, you didn't get that. And it's going to take the power of God to do it. If all this religious activity and just a, all it was was a bunch of messages and teaching and, and, and getting your mind big and fat, then we'd already been there. So here he's saying, he's saying here, <clears throat> he showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life. Woo, glory to God. Which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit. Glory to God. That one just dropped on me. There's some fruit in this room. I'm telling you, there's some river fruit in this room right now. That river's running right through this building. Glory to God. Yielded her fruit. Oh, that's what was running through my hotel room. My wife will tell you, it's running through that room. Yielded. Glory to God. Her fruit. Every month. Say every month. <laughs> and the leaves of the tree. Woo! The leaves of the tree. Well, for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse. Woo! And when I read no more curse, it came off the page. And suddenly he just moved in that room. He was there. Now he said to me a couple of statements I want to make, and then I'll get my focal point down to why we're gathered around this today. He said to me, son, they shall surely say to you when you preach this, Yes, but that's in heaven. I mean, we're reading Revelation 22 after all. Yeah. Come on now. Uh -huh. yeah. Don't bore me. I'm trying not to bore you. <laughs> this isn't Revelation 22 after all. So he said, religious tradition, he said, this is the first thing you're going to face. They're going to say, yes, but that's in heaven. He said, you tell them, when I was in the earth, I prayed this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Glory be to God. Then he said to me, it never has been my will that any human ever experienced one trace of the curse. Glory be to God. Aren't you glad about that? Yes, sir, I am. He said, many of my people are walking around calling normal That's right. what I call a curse. That's right. In other words, they're putting up with it because they don't know any better. They don't know God wants them free from it. Wanted them free from it yesterday. That's why he died. And they're putting up with it thinking it's normal because people perish for lack of knowledge. He took me literally to Galatians 3 very quickly, and he showed me verse 11. That no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. And then by verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. For cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree, right? He's redeemed us. Glory be to God. So we see that there's a curse in the law, and laws govern the curse. But the point is, he said, I want you to teach my people. Because he kept saying, do you see it? I preached it for over 20 years. These verses I knew by heart. And yet in a visitation, he took me through verses I thought I knew by heart. And he said to me, do you see it? I said, see what? He said, read it again. I did that three or four times. And then he, and finally I said, Lord, I don't see it. You got to talk to me. What? And he said, I'm trying to show you, in verse 11 here, I'm trying to show you that in the law, I made it evident in the law what a curse is in my sight. 
No man is justified by the law. In the sight of God, it is evident. Do you see that? In the sight of God, it is evident. So the law reveals how God sees blessings and curses. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Can you see in the law, curses are listed, and it's the way God sees a curse. And it's listed in Deuteronomy 28, and he told me to go back, and he said to me, go back and treat it like a treasure chest. He said, look at it not as something that will come on you if you disobey, but something you've already been redeemed from. And if you see a trace of anything listed there, eradicate it in my name. He said, you t he said it would be, this is what he said to me. He said, it would be heresy to say there's no curse in the world. There isn't a curse in our world. Sure, Adam sinned. Law of sin and death in the world. That's why we have ministry, because there's curse in the world. But he did say this, and he said in 1 John 5, the whole world lies in wickedness. He said, but here's the thing. He said, remind them, verse 13, they have been redeemed. They have been redeemed. They have been redeemed. They have been redeemed. E.D., past tense, redeemed. Already done. So he said, remind them that although there's curse in this world, there doesn't have to be any curse in their world. I'm telling you, we can live in a Goshen. We can live in a bubble. We can live in the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. But the reason we're not is we have such little revelation of our authority and that name and what's granted to us. So we're going out there trying to make it happen. And of course we're exposed. Because we've got an umbrella and it's raining and we're holding it over here. Huh? I mean, anybody ever been camping? Anybody ever been camping where there's a bunch of mosquitoes? Did you leave the windows open and the door flaps open on your tent when you went to bed? How come? You want to keep the mosquitoes out there. You know what I would say to you if you left the door flap to your tent open? I'm getting bit by mosquitoes. I, I, mean, I just don't understand. I'm just getting head up. I guess I just, it's just something in my blood. It's drawing mosquitoes. I'd say, I say zip the zipper, dummy. <laughs> Stupid. Zip the screen. That's exactly what the body of Christ is doing. I'm just getting eat up. I just don't understand why it's taking so long and why I fight so much hard in my body and I just can't ever get ahead and I go to school hard. Not, well, dummy. Well, I'm getting wet. Got an umbrella over here. I'm getting wet. I'm getting wet. I'm just soaked. I guess it's the Lord's will. No, get under the umbrella, stupid. God delivers from the spirit of stupid. There's curse in the world. Satan's roaming around seeking whom he may devour. He's a thief. He's a murdering liar. He'll never change. And he's going to wind up in the pit. But Jesus has redeemed you from him. Amen. Woo! Glory to God. He's redeemed you from him. Yes. Curse in the world. There doesn't have to be any curse in your world. Whoa, glory to God. Amen? That's why, you know, you can hardly, I mean, some people are so set. I mean, it's like, I mean, you get them in church, you can't, you couldn't hit them with a baseball bat and get them to smile. And then they wonder why they're under curse. When the curse says, the reason a yoke comes on you and binds you down and you're totally consumed by the curse is because you served not the Lord your God with joyfulness 
for the abundance of all things. Go read it. Deuteronomy 28, 45, 46, 47. It is in the curse of the law. So the moment the Holy Ghost comes and you start getting hilariously overcome with inexpressible laughter in a river where you're rolling and laughing. Then you wonder why you get up and you heal. I say come on in the water's fine. But, you know, if you want to remain a sourpuss, then stay under the curse. And, I mean, nobody's going to make you. But in every service we have from now on, I may just get some signs. You know how we have reserve signs? My signs aren't going to say reserve. I've come to hate that word. Because everybody walks through the door in America, a church is reserved. I used to tell a joke, you know, about Oklahoma, why it was one of the last states in the Union. I mean, why it became a state so late in developing the states. It's because they had reservations. <laughs> See, when you, have, when you have reservations, you know, you've you got a seat, and you know you got a seat, so you, you're not in any hurry to get there. you got my seat, you see. And then people, you get upset when revival breaks out and somebody got your seat. That's because you got reservations. Now, I'm, I'm about done with reserved people that have reservations about all this. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Here's what we're going to do. We, we took the kids to SeaWorld in San Antonio, and I found out something. When Shamu, I don't even know if they still do that. You know, there's some big deal about Free Willy or something. But anyway. <laughs> so they, they might not even have Shamu anymore. It may be not politically correct. But used to. Back before we got awakened in the woke, they had Shamu. <laughs> and you put a fish out there or something, you know, and here he comes, ooh, or a ball, and you go, doo, doo, and he'd come up, he'd get that, and he'd, ah, ooh, and the kids are little, you know, and he'd turn over and like, doo, I mean, there is water going lots of places. And down front, they have some rows. And you know what they're called? Splash Zone! I don't know about the Splash Zone. It's about time you started deciding to live in the Splash Zone. You got to get up close enough and personal where this thing gets over on you. you. Glory be to God. It's for everybody. But if you're going to have reservations, sit on the back row, forget it. It's like Brother, Brother Jorge. Uh, Vargas, we know him very well. He was sitting in one of these seats right here in our ministry zone, what, two years ago or something? Now I'm preaching along like this, and I'm talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. And I don't know that I brought it up in that meeting. All I know is, is that, you know, I've done this before. Most everything you read about in the Bible, God's asked me to do, and I've done it around the world, including, you know, like spitting on people's tongues, and suddenly their tongue gets loose. Or spitting on my fingers and putting them in their ears and the deaf ear pops open. Or balling up my fist and punch them in the gut and the tumor disappears. Yeah. Or hit them with the heel of my hand on an open hand right here. Two weeks out of open heart surgery and they think they died. They collapse. And when they come to, they couldn't get their skin to graft. And a silver dollar sized hole closes up and their heart's immediately healed. Happens again and again and again because the anointing will turn you to another man. But we have such a litigious, careful, worry about what people think about our society. No wonder we don't have any miracles. Because the devil don't want miracles. No, that's true. He don't want you to know Jesus is alive. 
So I'm probably talking about some of that, some thereabout. I mean, got a bunch of preachers in here that are hopefully fanatics, and if they're not, I'm trying to make them one. <laughs> so, so I'm walking around here, and I'm preaching along. Didn't know it, but he was going blind with macular degeneration, and one of, them, one of his eyes, I think, maybe was legally blind. All I know is I'm preaching. <laughs> Woo! If you put a real light right here and I go, Woo! You're going to see a little fog. And it's not the Holy Ghost. It's not holy. It's sanctified, humidified respiration coming out. You know, preachers don't sweat. They perspire. We're not. Anyway. All I know is I'm preaching, and a little bit of spit came out. They had an issue in both eyes. Are you listening to me? He had an issue in both his eyes, and one of them worse than the other, but I mean serious, irreparable macular degeneration. And spit came out, hit him in, was it left one? Do y'all remember? It doesn't matter. Point is, spit came out and hit him in the eye. Power of God came on him. He went out in the spirit, and he was instantly healed. I mean, instantaneously, the macular degeneration was he said, oh, Lord, not one eye, one eye. I mean, he wanted to call me back over and spit in my other eye. <laughs> talking about the working of miracles. I'm talking about he's willing and obedient, and he's in the room, and he's walking the aisle, and he doesn't want you to leave church the same. <laughs> so even though I'm in a hurry to try to get something in you before you decide to bolt, I'm saying to you, don't bolt. It's about time. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. Of such. Of such. Kiddos. Say kiddos. Kiddos. Of the kingdom of heaven. You ever tried to get them out of a pool? They love to swim. How hard is it to get kids out of the pool? That ought to be how hard it is to get you out of church. But you've got other things on your brain. Well, if you can't say amen, say oh me. Oh, me. <laughs> Y'all forgive me. I got to do this. All right. Glory to God. <laughs> Boom. Okay, here we go. Here we go. You ready? And he showed me. Say he showed me. A pure river of water. Come on, say it out loud. A pure river of water. Revelation 21. Of life. Clear as crystal. Proceeding. Proceeding. Now, verse 2 says the trees are planted there. There's fruit every month and not just one kind. That means your faith won't do just one thing at a time. Now, in the earth, you know, the curse has affected it. So you've got an apple tree, it's only apples, and a lemon tree, it's only lemons. But not these supernatural trees. You've got a limb out here that every month has a fresh crop, and there's a lemon and a banana and an orange and a mango and a pear and a plum. And you need to understand in the spirit realm, you're not limited. Come on now. You get over in this river and some stuff will start happening. 
by the great grace of God that makes resurrection power available that's not of your own doing. And the blessings will come on you and overtake you in Jesus' name as the healing and restoration of the nations. And there shall be... Now the whole point I want to make this morning about everything that I've said in this introduction that gives my message about three minutes or five left. Oh, y'all get that in a minute. Is this idea. And it's this idea. The place where the curse is destroyed is in the river. That's the whole message. The reason people are still living under a curse is they respond wrong at the river. The river's the place where so much happens. It's the place where the trees are planted. It's the place where the fruit grows. It's the place where the healing happens. It's the place where restoration, recreation of real intent happens. Of course Satan wants you bound in your flesh with an attitude, checking it out, all reserved. I'm not sure this is real. Well, I wasn't raised Pentecostal. Well, my old church didn't do it like this. Well, that's just emotionalism. Well, you know, whoo, I love that service. Wasn't it powerful? You're sitting back there just so like the stump you were walking in, watching everybody else run around laughing at them. Like they're the ones that are messed up. Well, you go home cursed. God's looking for a church that'll get there early in the splash zone. And the moment the power moves, jump in. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. And the river's on the way. And we're making room for the river. I said we're making room for the river. It's flowing through here right now. You can be healed right now, delivered right now. You can have your answer right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, this is not only not one message, it's a series, 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 because the river is not like a reservoir. It flows, which means there's no end to it. So today, we're just going to go for just a couple more minutes, because I'm going to make a couple of comments, to open the door to help you develop some faith. To make a, sure, make a quality decision. When I go to the river, when the river's flowing and I recognize it, I'm getting in. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. I have a premeditated decision that I have made, and that is I'm going to obey God. And whenever he's moving, I'm moving with him. See, one of the biggest problems in ministry, many times, is Americans especially have bought into this separation of church and state deal. Now let me tell you what's happened that's brought fruit to the church. And uh, first of all, it's why our country's in the mess it's in. Because we let perverted people that are demonized make the laws. But secondly, it's caused a separation on two arenas. Separation of church and state. Not in our Constitution. In a letter written by Thomas Jefferson. And the purpose of that statement 
was not to keep the church out of the government, it's to keep the government out of the church. But of course, they turned that around. Why? Because they are selfish. Now, here's the big deal. Therefore, it's done two things, especially in America. Actually, three, but one of them is democracy. Democracy has totally and completely stripped the church of its power. Because improper church government has made people feel like that if I come and I give my tithe, I have a vote. I ought to have a say. Let me explain something to you. This, talking about the kingdom, is not a democracy. And I love America. I'm telling you, I love America. It's the greatest place to live in the world ever has been probably in history. That's why I'm willing to fight for it. But the other thing is this, it's caused God's people to separate church from their everyday life. So now they come here and hear the word, but then they go to the business and make their own decisions. That's demonic. And the third thing, and the most, the worst one of all, is separated the preacher from the people. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's this attitude. When the Holy Ghost comes on me and the worship team comes, I start dancing around and laughing and the power of God overwhelms me. I say, whoa, look at there. Well, that's Brother Tracy. You know how Brother Tracy is. See, that's the spirit, a demon spirit of humanism and socialism that you bought into about separation of church and state that's kept you separate from the river. Because once you're so highly developed that you spend every part of two jobs in six days making your own decisions, you don't come in here and just flip the switch in five minutes to let the Lord take over. This is a lifetime of submitting ourselves to let Him make our decisions. To let Him lead. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And the point I want to make, and then I'll make a couple more points about what happens at the river, and that's it. The point I want to make is the Holy Ghost is the river. Jesus said in John 7, he said, He that's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For as the scripture says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given, because he was not yet glorified. So there's two things you need to see about that. Number one, the Holy Ghost is the river. Actually, three things. Number one, the Holy Ghost is the river. Number two, the river comes out of the belly of Jesus. It proceeds from God. So if we won't participate with the river, we are refusing to participate with God's proceedings. Because it's proceeding from the throne. It's coming right out of the middle of Him. And it is the Holy Ghost. So to resist the Holy Ghost is to resist God. And then wonder, we're resisting God with every form within us. I mean, you know, I'm trying to stay reserved and I'm watching my watch and when service is going to be over. And I'm resisting God, but then... This week, I want my, woo, give me my harvest. Pastor, hundredfold, hundredfold. It doesn't work that way unless you can get a hundredfold in. Because the measure you need to be measured to you, and everything's a seed, and it's not just your money. So you get all in, he'll get all in with you. This is big. I'm talking about getting in the splash zone. I'm talking about when the Holy Ghost is moving, not pointing the finger at everybody else and laughing because it comes on them and they act all crazy. And because you don't want to look like that, you won't get in. Because you got Category 5 on your hair and you're worried about your hair getting wet. <laughs> Tornado comes through and it won't blow your hair, dude. I'm ready for Sunday. Glory to God. 
I know people won't raise their hands in worship because it'll pull their shirt tail out. You don't have to worry about that. We got whole businesses now called Untuck It. I mean, they're made not to tuck. So now what's your excuse? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm happy all over more than anywhere else. Glory to God. Woo! Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I think you ought to be happy in church. You're delivered. You're free. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You're healed. You're blessed. There's more with you than there are against you. You can't lose the what we use. No weapon can prosper. What do you have to be sad about? Glory to God. Woo! Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory. Everybody stand on your feet. Worship team, get up here. Come on now. I need the worship team up here. Glory, glory. Come on now. There shall be no more curse. So you understand, no more curse means no more sickness. No more curse means no more poverty. No more curse means no more depression. No more curse means no more bipolar. No more curse means, huh? No more schizophrenia. Hearing voices, inner child, and I'm messed up till I'm 58 because of something somebody did to me once. No, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He can fix it, and he did when he rose from the dead. So let's get it under our feet. Get over it. I said, get over it. And that is not a cliche of saying, well, just deal with it. Now, you just need to get past it. No, I'm saying get in your seat. You're seated in heaven. Find out who you are in Christ. Put these names far beneath your feet. Realize he's already counted it and get over it. Get these things you're wrestling with under your feet. You're redeemed from the curse of the law. Life doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to have tormenting nightmares, insomnia. What's coming next? I don't know how this is going to turn out. Am I going to have enough money to fill up my car? Well, is he the filler of all things? Yes, sir. He's going to fill up your car. Yes, he is. Not only with gas, but with people to bring to church. He'll use everything he can to keep you saving those few pennies. Because you not have to go to work. But I'm not sure now. I'm just using all this gas coming back and forth from church. I mean, I had a guy tell me legitimately, tell me once. I mean, legitimately tell me. And I'm not making this up. You can't make this up. The dude picked and chose how few times he went to church each month because he didn't want to wear his tires out. And the reason he told me it's because it ripped him a new one because I was preaching on the spirit of mammon. And I said, all these things perish with the using. So you wear your tires out serving God, he'll get you some more. So he met me at the back door and let me know. I'm just glad that he wore his tires out to come to that service. Because at least he got some answers. Whether he responded or not, he got some answers. God has big plans for you. Give yourself permission to go there. Yes, Satan is defeated. Aren't you glad? Yes, oh, glory be to God. we got to worship our way out of here. Yes. For those of you that don't know, I don't have time to go over them. The Lord said to me last September, and then he visited me again a couple of weeks ago, that June, there's seven months left in this year, and these seven harvests are coming to pass. Yes. 
You, oh, glory to God. Seven unusual harvests coming to you in 2022, and I'm telling you, they started for Lori and I before the year turned to prove it's true. And they're going to keep on coming, and they're coming to you right now in Jesus' name. So I want you to pick up one of these on the way out if you don't have this, and just stand on it, and uh, glory be to God. Now, listen to this. The river's the place where the curse is destroyed. I, uh, well, I, I just wish I had more time, but I'm just not going to take it. I mean, I've got it. I'm just not going to take it. I want you to know something by the Spirit of God. The Bible, we didn't even go read it, Genesis 2. There's a river proceeds out of Eden and waters the world. Revelation 22, the river proceeds out of the throne. The Bible begins and ends with a river. This gives a new definition to a river runs through it. Not the dysfunctional lives in a two-hour movie. But the fact that earth is dysfunctional. And when his river runs through it, things start living. Amen? Ezekiel 47 talks about this river that it's as much as you'll walk in it, the higher it'll get. Amen? So let me make some comments about the river. Moses was drawn out of a river, was he not? So... Gideon took his army to the river to test them for deliverance, right? Yes. John the Baptist was baptizing at the river, and it's where the anointing came on Jesus at a river. Yes. Point is, I want you to hear this, deliverers are drawn out of the river. I want you to know that's one of the major qualifications for this generation of deliverance. For this decade of deliverance, for a new generation of deliverers to be born, they're going to come out of the river. Now, there's so much to rivers, and I even have seven things I could just line out for you that's just a, a starting list. But the bottom line is, when they crossed over Jordan, when they met the brook Besor and were chasing the enemy to get recovered, 200 of them were so faint they stopped at the river. 400 more went across. Rivers are a place of decision. That's why so many people won't participate when it starts flowing. God's not going to pick you up and throw you in like John Wayne did in that old movie to teach you how to swim. You've got to decide to get in there. Amen? It's a place of decision. Naaman was healed in a river of God's choosing. Bigger, wider, faster, cleaner rivers in his home country. The ones that he wanted to dunk in. And it took seven dunks in the Jordan. For him to come up clean. Which meant he took Naaman's pride and made him submit. The whole purpose of the river is to get you out of yourself and into the flow. Submission happens at the river. He says, we walk through the waters that have not overflowed us. The river's a place of deliverance. And the final thing I want to say to you, there's so many things we could say, but the final thing I want to say to you is in Ezekiel 47... In the last stage of it, the angel took him in the river. And does anybody remember what happened? He couldn't cross over it. River's not just a crossing place. It is a crossing place. And that's another message which is powerful. Because if you act right at the river, you get to cross into your promised land. But the bigger thing is, the ultimate goal of the river. And John, last Sunday morning, this is what you were preaching, son. 
The ultimate goal of the river is waters to swim. You get all in, and you no longer decide to stand against the river or to play in the river or where you go, but the river takes you. Total immersion, all in with God. That's the biggest picture of the river. So you can see then if there's something in you that recoils when the river operates. It's something you ought to go to work on getting out of your life. So I want to pray for you today. I told you we were going to pray. Uh, and I mean, obviously, we, we pray for individuals all the time. We have miracles. It gives the spirit to operate. But honestly, gifts are manifestations of the gift. Gifts are nine manifestations of one gift, the Holy Ghost. The river is the Holy Ghost. You start yielding to the Holy Ghost, you won't have to worry about the gifts. They'll start flowing. He's the giver of all the manifestations. So today I want to pray for you, and I'd like for you to join me. I would like for you to look down in your heart and ask yourself, is this just Brother Tracy's opinion? Or might this be God speaking to me that I need to make some, some decisions to get out of myself and get all in? Might this just be what's been holding my harvest up? I'm totally convinced if you've been laughing and joking about Brother Tracy preaching, and you know how he is, and he's just a wild man. I mean, when he preaches, I don't sit on the front because he spit on me. Well, then sit back there and keep your macular degeneration. Because if you're talking like that and thinking like that, then when spit hits you in the eye, it won't bring healing. It'll make you move further back. So, and since I can't do it for you, which is why people, you get the reputation. Why do you preach so long? Why do you preach so hard? Why are you so intense? Because I love you so stinking much. I want the curse blown out of your life and you think it's just me. And if you could just for a moment, please, let the Holy Spirit pull the veil back and ask him, did you send him here to tell me this today? I know the answer. It's not about me knowing the answer. It's about will you open your heart to the answer. Because you know already what the answer is. Father, I thank you. Lord, we're going to come before you and worship you. And we're going to thank you for all you've done because you truly are great. And you do miracles so great that I'm saying to you now, after all these years of serving you, you don't have to convince me anymore. I don't need another confirmation. I don't need another goading, provoking, leading. I don't need another prophecy. I'm all in. I'm asking you to use me to provoke, use me to prophesy, use me to help others get. I don't, Lord, I thank you. You're faithful to talk to me all the time and you keep pushing me on down the river and I know that because that's who you are. But I don't have to have that, Lord. I'm all in. I mean, waters to swim in. When you bring me back to the bank, I'm going to see that every tree you talk to me about is coming up. 
Do you hear me? Now, I know people get weary. I know they've been listening to me preaching for over 20 years, but they're watching before their eyes the campus unfold. I got some huge mammoth elephant ears at home. They grow different than flowers. It takes a little while, but man, when they come up, they come up awesome. And that's exactly what's happening over there. Higher the building, the deeper the foundation. Well, the foundation's been laid. Lord told me early in the ministry, make you fit yourself in the field afterward, build your house. He said, son, I want you to deepen the ministry. I'll broaden it. He said, many ministers have a ministry a thousand miles wide and an inch deep. It just runs off that hard ground. But he's here. In the drought, we got some tap roots deep now. I'm so glad you're a part. Do you, will you give me that, about 30 seconds to a minute? I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I pray it doesn't offend you, but I'm just seeking the Holy Ghost exactly how to lead you in prayer. Unson grandeste, yeah, a marquiste and blafra debe etsu gadadilic in the guinea inching the English de ingididi, uridi and granum so that an emeranike shimada. Help me, Father, to help the people. Move amongst your people now, I pray. Sovereignly, supernaturally, do what only you can do. They love you, you love them. Minister to their heart, breathe a fresh breath upon their heart, renew their mind. Brede mesiki brodogorodisti garadisti labrandigo grondo garanisti ibrodogorodisti. Lord just told me joints are being healed in the room. There's somebody over here on the, on the right side of the room that needs healing, especially in an elbow. You're being healed right now from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. If you'll check yourself out, he is re-lubricating, if you will, healing joints that have been overused and overworked and got dry. No, it's time. In fact, he's refreshing you. Your joinings. He's going to reaffirm your set place. He's going to drive your roots deep. He's going to refresh you with new water in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst today. For anyone watching all over the world, I thank you that there, bam, there's a refreshing right now. That the river comes over the balcony right into their living room today. That from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. They're strengthened with might by the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead in their inner man. That there's a great refreshing from the effects of heat. That even in old age, they feel full of sap, full of vitality. As their days are, so shall their strength be. Father, may every person, the sound of my voice, get their mind off their body, their pains, their feelings, their emotions, and especially their chronological age. I thank you if you did it for Abraham at 100, if you did it for Moses at 80, if you did it for Noah, today you're the same God. You said when she was past age, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. She had a baby at 100, Father. Today you're that same God. Dreams are being birthed in the lives of people that thought they were winding down and they're refiring up. We need these saints. We need every engine of the Holy Ghost firing on every cylinder. And I'm asking you to stir them up. I'm asking you to, 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 to just, to, just speak to their heart. I see it in the Spirit, saints. Before I pray here, that's why I wanted to take a minute. The Holy Ghost is moving. 
And, and uh, don't get in the natural just because I'm talking now English language. This is very short. Receive it. Literally, I saw while we were praying there and I was exhorting you, Holy Spirit was opening your heart and painting pictures of some things you're supposed to do. You got some answers. You, you got re-encouraged, refired about, yeah, it's time for me to take that step. Yeah, I got to do that now. Yeah, I see that, Lord. This is my confirmation. Now's the time I will take the step. Now's the time I will obey you. Now's the time I will make that change. Is that you in the room right now? Lord's been dealing with your heart. Come on now, let me see your hand real quick. Lord's been dealing with your heart. Come on, don't be slow. You know the power of God's dealing with your heart. So make a decision inside and let him show you what's the next step for you. So let's pray in the spirit of the minute. I'm going to pray for you and we'll just sing our way out of here. Yeah, come on, Donna, plays it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Turn her up a little bit. Come on with it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. The river is the ultimate curse breaker. Father, I thank you that generational curses are bowing their knee in this room. I thank you that spirits of infirmity, long-standing oppositions, Satan, we break your power off of the people's lives right now. Father, I'm asking you to open their eyes to see and ears to hear the future. The future, the very next things you have for them. Oh, you're not near through with the lives of these people. I thank you that every day they're going to begin to see a greater sensitivity, a greater manifestation. Say this out loud with me, Heavenly Father. I receive your gift to me. The gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift of Woo! The Take a deep breath right now. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, oh. now say, I know. I know. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I know. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the children of God. I am your child. And deliverance is the children's bread. The Holy Spirit will not lead me into temptation. But He will lead me into deliverance from all evil. From this day forward, I choose to follow the peace of God. For the fruit of righteousness is manifested in peace. If it doesn't make peace, it's not right. No strange God with me. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. He's leading me into prosperity. He's leading me into peace. He's leading me into blessing. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Absolute wholeness. He's leading me into my destiny. And He knows exactly how to get me there. And there is a wisdom. Woo, there is a wisdom that will produce it. And I receive it now. I receive it now. I receive it now. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me.
Oh, I'm strong. Oh, oh, I'm strong. Now say this. I know exactly what to do. From this day forward, I step across the line. My moment of crossing, stepping into a new phase of a flow of the river. I'll be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right people all the time. Whoa! Come on, give the Lord a shout. Don't panic. If you're going to receive it, receive it. I hear this coming in me, so I'm just going to say what I heard so clear. And I invite you to join me. Now, this is my answer, but it's our answer. So I believe I'm supposed to lead you in it to say my answer. My answer is in the river. It's where the fruit comes from. It's where the curse gets destroyed. And it's where I'm putting my roots. I am planting my roots right by the river of life. I refuse to budge. Now, I'm going to dismiss you, but I, I heard the Lord say, here's how you dismiss them. And we are going to sing a song, by the way, but I mean, this is the ultimate launch here. Psalm 1. Can we read those six verses? Put them on the screen now so that everybody can see it. Everybody, this is us. Blessed is the man. Who's going to walk out of here in the blessing today? Glory be to God. So let's read it out loud together, couldn't we? On the count of three, one, two, three. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit and his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We'll just stop right there. Is that good enough? He goes on to say the ungodly are not so. He separates the chaff from the wheat. Expect some separation to come in your life from the things that have been holding you back your leaf will not wither, and whatever you do is going to prosper. Get yourself planted by the river. Woo! Hallelujah! Give the Lord one more shout and say, Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. God bless you. Remember this. Jesus is coming soon. Amen.